0: Welcome to the Rising Latterly Podcast. Each episode, you will learn something fascinating so you can bring big ideas to your small talk. Your growth is our growth.
1: Listening to these episodes, subscribing to our weekly newsletter, engaging our posts on social media, and sharing our show with your friends and family is deeply appreciated as we work hard to expand this platform. You can also visit our page at buymeacoffee.com
0: to contribute what you think the show is worth. To the folks who are taking this step, we can't thank you enough. Look for the link in our show notes for more details about how you can support and follow us. And now, please enjoy this episode. Arjun and I both had the opportunity to attend weddings this weekend. Uh, The first one we actually attended down in SoCal together. The second one I had up in uh, Central California, got a lot of driving in this weekend. They were both kind of the first big occasions, big weddings I'd been to since the start of COVID. So it was interesting getting the chance to be around other people and have all those kinds of interactions again. I had a great time. It was, of course, great uh, getting the chance to hang out with you, Arjun. We haven't really spent much time in person since we started Rising Laterally. So that's always a special occasion. But I'm curious, what were some of your big observations coming out of the wedding on Friday?
1: Oh, I mean, the funniest thing to me was when people saw me and you talking, they would come up to me and be like, don't you guys talk enough?
0: (laughs) It's like, (laughs) I don't see the guy, you know? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's always different in person.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's always different in person. I had a great time. Uh, and yeah, these were, or this was like the first wedding, uh, first big event, um, that I had been to, I had been to like a private, more smaller one earlier, but yeah, it was great to be around people again. And, um, great time. And I think for me, it's like you sit there and you you kind of feel it in the air, Uh, like at a wedding, you can kind of feel all the emotions. Um, For me, you know, I I was listening to a best man speech that made me want to be a better friend. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when I heard family members talk, it really, you know, kind of reinforced the importance of family. Mm -hmm. Um, It kind of makes you reflect on like how you're operating within your own family and stuff like that. So I mean that was that was um interesting stuff for me. And then obviously some social psychology stuff that I would like to get into. But what about you? What were some of your takeaways?
0: Yeah, yeah. A lot of similar similar takeaways. I think for me, one of the big ones was after watching the speeches, I always enjoy speeches at weddings, and I just uh, I'm, uh, I'm always kind of interested in people's style of public speaking. There were a lot of great speeches. I think one of the big takeaways I had from the wedding on Friday was that there's really like no right way to give a speech. Uh, there were a lot of we we heard from parents, we heard from friends. Each of them had their own style, and I think. Uh, You know, each of them kind of had their own degree of like sincerity, their own approach to humor. And I think it just reminded me of something that we've talked about before on the show. It's like, if you just be yourself, your true self, you know, that unique person that only you can be, you'll inherently be interesting. And all of the speakers, I think, at at the weddings did this, you know, nothing captures an audience's attention more than when you hear from someone who seems to be speaking from the place of their like normal personality. Um, and I think going forward, that'll be a reminder for me if I'm ever asked to speak at a wedding or just speak at another kind of big function like that. You know, you don't have to like conform to a conventional style. You don't have to mimic someone that you thought was cool uh, that you heard before. You know, just I'm going to try to be exactly who I am and be my normal personality and hope the audience will pick up on that and tune into it. Um you know if 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 you're out there if you're a quiet personality, it's okay to kind of be quiet when you're giving a speech. If you're serious, it's okay to be serious or if you're sarcastic, it's okay to be sarcastic. You know whatever it is, you can use it uh, and you can find a way to make it work. Agreed. I think some of that has to
1: do with What's taken place over the last um, 65 weeks with us and just our development through this podcast and understanding how to create that space to even absorb that person's authenticity, whatever it is, whether it's the funny person or the serious person, like being able to absorb the personality type that requires this ability to create the space for it and the open-mindedness to accept it. Um, Mm. I think that's something that was interesting to think about while I was sitting in the seat as well and looking around at all these people. It's like, you know, I'm here. I want to be present. I want to be cognizant of what's going on. And I really want to like, if I engage in a conversation at this wedding, like I really want to listen to the to the person, mm. and what was really interesting about that is that then you really get to see the entire like human psychology spectrum play out, you know from you come across the people that literally have no idea when to stop talking, especially mm. about themselves and it becomes funny, mm. especially when you know you're kind of running the social experiment and you're just asking questions and just letting them go. And there's no like, Hey, what about you? Or how are things for you? It's literally all about that person. And that's totally fine because you know that that's how that person is and you're creating the space for them. But it's really funny to think about inside when you're, when all of it's going down. Um, The other thing I thought was interesting was it felt like, especially if you didn't know the person uh, and you go to say hi and you try to do that small talk, It's like people have a program to look away in terms of their eye contact after the Mm. first two or sentence, one or two sentences of whatever their small talk is. It's as if they're so used to like the other person not being engaged. And I remember being in conversations and like keeping the eye contact and maybe asking like the extra two questions. And you could kind of see that the person was caught off guard by that extra engagement and like willingness to actually dig into what that person was saying. And Mm -hmm. I just thought that's like a microcosm of what's going on in society where people are just so quick to say the one or two things that are first things on their mind, think that's going to be enough, like the blanket statements, and then just move on with their life. And then, you know, if you get caught up in a conversation, you actually have to like now start thinking and get deeper. And some people are not used to that.
0: Yeah. Especially not after coming out of COVID. I think, uh, There's also, to your point about like interacting with lots of different people and running those social experiments and having small talk with all kinds of different folks, I think by virtue of lockdowns and just by virtue of our world's becoming more digitized, we talk a lot about how the kind of content we're exposed to has become flattened, whether it's like political content or entertainment content, everyone's kind of in their own echo chambers consuming the same thing. And I think there's also been given the fact that we're interacting with less people a sort of flattening of the kind of personality types that we encounter and going to an event like this where you know you didn't select the people there someone else did there's all these people you haven't met with all kinds of different personalities you're it's kind of almost like a you get to sample all these different types of characters again, even if it's just in a three or five minute conversation, you're kind of like, whoa, I haven't seen someone like that in a while or interacted with someone like that because none of my friends are like that. And I haven't been in a work environment where I'm, been, I've been forced to interact with someone who may have a personality type that's very different from my own. So it's just interesting uh, when you're in that kind of scenario mingling from group to group and you remember how much variability there is across the human personality.
1: That's interesting. And then add to that, even if you had seen a face before, so it's a familiar face and you reconnect months, maybe years later, that person has gone through their own development. So it's really like meeting a version of that person. So you kind of have to reconnect and get to know them where they are today, as opposed to like your bias or your thoughts or your your knowledge of what they were before.
0: Totally, dude. Yeah, totally. That's a very good point. And you've changed too. So now there's this like dynamic equilibrium where you're a 2.0 version of yourself. They're a 2.0 version of themselves who each remember each other as the 1.0 version of of each other. So there's this big shift in the way you interact potentially. And the other variable to that too, is that you may never see these people again. I know we <laughs> talked about that in pre-show, but you know, maybe you you worked with them or you were friends with them for a few years, or at least ran in the same circles and then years passed and you don't, you didn't see them until this wedding. And you had this moment of kind of reunion. And then you walk away from that knowing you may never see them again in the flesh, you know, a single other time in your entire lives. Like you, you have this kind of casual conversation with them. You're having fun. You're like, wow, I may never see that person's face in person again in my entire, you know, lifespan. It's just wild.
1: Yeah. And so it adds to that quote of like, you know, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And it's not really what you're saying. It's how you make someone feel right. It's like, that was something I was definitely thinking about. Because yes, that's true in the context of like a familiar face, but there was a couple mm-hmm. of brand new faces that mm-hmm. I only met on Friday, but I was having the time of my life with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, but there's pretty solid chance that we don't see each other in person again. I know, dude. I know it's such a trip. It's such so for a for y'all. I hope that uh, it was a good time.
0: Like, I had a great time. <laughs> Definitely, dude. There there really is no substitute, uh, I think, for being in a room full of people where there's excitement in the air, where there's love in the air, where there's good vibes in the air. There's just no alternative for that. You know, I think we, like, to talk about, I don't know, you think about the movies, like, people say there's no alternative for the movie theater. And it's like, yeah, that may be true, but I think push comes to shove. People might be able to get used to watching movies at home, but the one thing that truly can't be digitized or like can't be mimicked remotely, is just being in a room full of people that are excited to be in the presence of each other, you know, like living, breathing people. Everyone has that, has an energy, you know, it's undeniable. It's, it's the energy that animates us it's the energy that mobilizes us it's the difference between us and you know a kitchen table or a or a sofa or a desk chair like we're brought to life by this energy it's real and when you're sharing real physical space with dozens of other people that are on the same wavelength Something magical happens, something fun happens. And after not having had that, you know, for the last year and a half, you're reminded of how special it is and how there really is no substitute for it. They will never be able to do that over Zoom. Agreed. And it makes you want to always remember to
1: put effort into what you're doing. I feel like you can tell when people show up for weddings, when people put effort into preparing preparing for them, into making sure that everyone has a good time. Um, And that same effort, if you're going to put it into like your best man speech, for example, right, you put the effort into preparation, that's the same type of effort you probably put in at work, you probably put in as a parent, you probably put in as a husband or a wife, like, there's this energy that you, you know, you mentioned that word multiple times energy and the vibe, Mm -hmm. there's like a vitality to living that you can kind of sense from some people, when you're in a large group like that, like you can really know who goes home and probably reads a bedtime story, like actually playing out the
0: characters for their kids, Mm, as opposed mm, to just mm. saying the words. Mm. That's very true. Yeah, that's very true. It comes out on the dance floor a little bit too. I'm not a big dancer, (laughs) but, but somehow I do always find myself dancing at weddings. The mood is just so high. The vibe is always so positive. It's just something that, I can't. Uh, I can't deny myself. It's so fun. The other thing too about dancing and just weddings in general is that you have that whole multi generational vibe. So you know you have like the uh, bride and groom and their friends, that whole age group. And then you got the parents, and then maybe you got the handful of kids that are running around. And there's something about that uh, that I think uh, kind of gives you a sense of connecting a circle or sort of this full circle energy to it where you have the whole span of generations. And I think in the modern day, at least in like Western culture, speak for myself, I don't really get a lot of that. Um, you know, you can imagine like 10,000 years ago, when we were all living in small tribes of 150 people cooking our food over bonfires and playing drums and singing at night to pass the time, there was a lot of like multi-generational celebrating together and the youth were able to learn from and like pull more mature energy from the older folks and the older folks were able to pull that youthful energy from the young folks. And I think there's a harmony there and a balance. And anyway, I just noticed it this past weekend because I realized how few times I get the opportunity to get a taste of that, of all of those age groups together. And it's a nice feeling. It's a great feeling. I love that.
1: And then at the same time, it makes you remember your ancestors. So they're in the loop as well. So even though they may not be present, you know, dancing with you, but they're they're in spirit for sure in those moments.
0: Totally. Yeah, absolutely, man.
1: So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good things about weddings. They're always fun times. Um, but Jay, did you know that October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month?
0: Oh, I didn't realize that. That's important as well. That's yeah.
1: Very important. And, you know, we like to talk about the shadow and the dark side on, on this show a couple of times. So um, I think this is important because you have to realize that more than 50% of domestic violence incidents go unreported. And when you look at the domestic violence fact sheets that are online, there are a couple of stats that really do pop out. Um, On average, nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the United States. Over the year, that equates to more than 10 million women and men. One in three women and one in four men experience intimate partner physical violence to some degree. One in four women and one in seven men have been victims of severe physical violence, like beating, burning, or strangling. And so I think about this in the context of two things. One is the component of that whole like mental, physical, and economic impact that it's having on a bunch of people every day. But then I also think about it from the kids that are watching this. 90% of children who are exposed to this type of violence are eyewitnesses. And one in 15 children are exposed to partner violence. So given that it's domestic violence awareness month, given the fact that like weddings are a fun time, there is a whole nother side to this equation of relationships where like psychology and people and all that and our, and our reptilian brains, all, all intertwined in that. And it's really important to address and keep top of mind because, you know, you go walking down the street or, you know, you're at work you're on a zoom call. And again, you ask someone how they're they're doing, they're going to give you that blanket. Oh, I'm fine. Or I'm trying to get through another day. But when you know some of these stats, there's a good chance that that person that you're talking to probably had a rough situation at home within the last
0: day or last week. Yeah, no, it's I imagine nearly impossible to function when you're at a point where you don't feel safe at home. And looking at those numbers, the feeling of not being safe at home is much more common for people than we probably realize. Uh, and as you said, you know, there's a shadow side to everything and we have to look at it in order to be able to, to work with it. And there's, there's no shame in being a victim of it. And I, I know from what I've heard that people can feel the burden of shame and stigma when they're caught in that situation, but it is something that people shouldn't feel any kind of shame around, you know, the more we talk about it, hopefully the more people end up getting help as a result of it.
1: Exactly. And
0: for me, just given the
1: context of this conversation where we were both invited to weddings, where people have made choices to live their lives with each other, invite a hundred to 150 people for an event and a ritual to be invited to that is so special. And it's so uh, you, I mean, it's something that shouldn't be taken for granted because again, when you look around what's going on in the world, according to the International Labor Organization, 15 to 16 million people are in forced marriages. Wow. So regardless of their age, that means that there was no consent. And if you think about that, that is considered modern day slavery because you have to pack together the fact that there's an absence of autonomy. Mm-hmm. There's the addition of abuse, and then there's an inability to leave. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, just to put this in context, it's like events like weddings are really memorable and really important. Not everyone is
0: privy to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I cannot, after coming out of two weddings of people that have chosen to be with each other and have been with each other for a long time and there's love there and history and they're doing it on their own volition you know in in our culture we see it as such a sacred thing you know two individuals choosing each other out of all the potential mates that they could have chosen you imagine somewhere across the world um or even nearer than that someone being forced i feel bad for the people that are forced into that and have to spend their lives with someone that they didn't choose right it's rough and then even if you think about the
1: people who did choose each other Just look at the divorce rates. Um, Look at the data. I mean, I think most people are familiar with that stat in the United States that roughly 50% of married couples divorce. um, We have the sixth highest divorce rate in the world here in the United States. 2.9 divorces per 1,000 people. We're a country of almost 330 million people. It's a lot of divorces. But what was interesting, just digging into some of these numbers in preparation for this, was that subsequent marriages have even a higher divorce rate. 60% of second marriages end in divorce and 73% of all third marriages end in divorce. So there you have it. It's a, it's a tricky situation because, again, humans are involved. And when humans are involved, work is always in progress. In mm-hmm. other words, you... There's no settling on like, oh, I finally reached the version of the person I want to be. Mm. That might be true, but your partner is at a different level. Maybe your kids are at a different level. Your extended family is at a different level. And so your progress really never stops. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: the other thing I was going to just say about that is that I think progress needs to be taking place across both parties involved.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well, you bring up a good point too with people with small families. You just think about how many intersecting relationships there are. If you just take four people, there's a relationship between the parents, each parent's relationship with, let's say, the two of the kids, you know, so that's one, two, five, the kids' relationship with each other. You take four people, there's six different relationships in that four people, and they're all unique and they're all based on the individual states of those people involved so to your point relationships and even small families are really complicated like systems and regardless of what's going on in one node the other nodes have a tremendous influence over the environment as well and it's just so complicated to sort through what's going on even in a family of four because there's six different relationships there exactly
1: That's what, Jay, I'm really excited about later this month. We are scheduled to have a couples therapist on. Mm. um, And I think that's going to be an interesting conversation. It's given the context of just people are going back to weddings. I think a lot of people this weekend were out at weddings. Um, And then the fact that, um, yeah, we just talked about some of the issues that couples get into frequently. So that might be a really interesting conversation coming up for sure.
0: Yeah, it'd be a great opportunity to dive further into it Um, and probably tie back in some of the ideas we learned from Thomas More around soul care and creating therapeutic space for people. So I'm excited to have that conversation.
1: Yeah, I'm excited too. And I'm actually, I'm really excited to go out in public more just with the knowledge that we've gained over the last year and a half. And again, continuing to run the social experiments and operating and, in a, in a way that is allowing for people to just be who they are and Mm -hmm. loving it and like Mm -hmm. enjoying it, you know?
0: Totally. Yeah, no, totally. I think maybe one of the big takeaways, there've been a lot of takeaways this year, but just having, having appreciation for the fact that people are different (laughs) and (laughs) you can't expect people to conform to you. You can't expect you wouldn't want them to conform to you or conform to some paradigm the world is exciting because there's so many different people out there and maybe you don't get along with everyone perfectly, but that's kind of why creating relationships and friendships is exciting because you know you're not going to get along with everyone. So the people that you actually do have a close relationships with, there's something really special there. And you know, then you go out in the world and maybe you have five minutes of small talk with someone that you'll never see again. But there's something exciting about that too because it's like, well, you know, I get to... Sample another personality for a few minutes here. and you know, I may not get a whole lot of opportunities like this, so let me find the value in it. And of course, at all times, recognize that there's a other person on the end of this conversation. And however, if I'm thinking that they're unusual or different, they might pro- are probably probably think of the same thing about me. like there's no there's no baseline. There's no right way to have a personality. We're all just kind of colliding and bouncing off each other. and sometimes it, It works and we're able to stick together in relationships for long periods of time. But uh, part of what is so exciting is that everyone is different and everyone has the right to be different. If you enjoyed this episode, you can sign up for the Rising Weekly newsletter sent out each week. Every Friday,
1: we expand on the episode with insights, recommendations, and more.
0: You can sign up at risinglaterally.com. Thank you.